Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. What is up, plant people? It's a day of the week that ends with the letter Y, which means that it's time again for the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, and general awesomeness of some very cool plant people, and in my opinion, some really excellent plant topics. I'm Vikram Baligia, your host and your humble guide in this journey through the plant sciences. And as always, I'm so happy to be with you today. I hope you're doing well. Uh, I don't know what the world is like when this comes out. And that is a thing I can say from day to day because I'm recording this and it comes out tomorrow. And who knows? Y'all, who knows what tomorrow holds? Except that I do know that it's 75 degrees Fahrenheit where I am today. And it's supposed to be about 40 tomorrow and then 27 on Wednesday. So that's just going to be lovely. We are trying something new today. Um, I thought that it might be nice because I get plant questions all the time and requests for advice or identification or, you know, really anything and everything in between to start a monthly question and answer episode. So on this, I'm going to collect questions as we go through the month. Now, these questions can be about really anything uh, within reason, folks. I'm I am quite a reserved man. That's not probably really true, but that's OK. But send me your questions, whether it's on social media or whatever. You can send me an email a pigeon with some words written on its face. Is that how that works? Is that how we do messenger pigeons? I don't really know. I'm a plant guy, but I'm going to answer your questions on these episodes. And it'll usually probably be the last Tuesday of the month or sometimes just the fourth Tuesday or whichever other Tuesday I decide to do it on. But if it's plant related, if it's about a guest or about myself or where the show came from or even just if you need tips for your own landscape or garden, send these questions my way. I'll probably put a monthly post on social media asking and collecting questions. I got a ton this first time. I asked on Facebook and our Planthropology's Cool Plant People Facebook group. So if you want your question read, that may be a pretty good place to submit it. Uh, you should join the group first. That's kind of how that would work. And on Twitter. And um, I've got some really great questions. And I already have more questions than I can answer in one episode. So if you really want me to talk to you about your stuff on the show, you'll get a shout out, all of that. Go ahead and send them along. And I've just got this big bank of questions um, piling up. Is that all? That's all. So let's listen to some music together. And then we'll jump into this episode, which is February 2022, the inaugural episode of the monthly Q&A. Right. So basically how this is going to work is I'm going to read questions and then give answers to them. And I promise to try my best not to make anything up. I can't guarantee that that'll never happen. I am sort of a silly, silly man, but I'm going to make sure that I'm doing the research ahead of time and giving you the best information I can about your questions. And again, some of these are garden related or landscape related or whatever, but quite a few of them are about me or the show. And so the first question comes from at PhD Genie on Twitter. Now, I can't remember for sure if the identity of the PhD Genie, this academic superhero, is a secret or not. So I'm not going to reveal it here, but the uh, person who manages the account is a good friend of mine and someone I've worked with a bit on the show and for some other stuff. And 
really just a good human. So the question is, let's go meta. Why plants? Why plants? Why did I choose to do a show about plants, which is a thing that you know a lot of people don't know yet that they care about? Well, I don't know if the fact that I have three degrees in plants is a good enough of an answer. That may just be a lame place to keep it or to leave it because why? Why did I get into it? So uh, I think I've answered this on or talked about this on the show before at some point. But uh, I started off going to college to try to get a degree in biomedical engineering. Oh, goodness. That's a mouthful. And, you know, I've got some uh, flashbacks that are happening right now. It's, oh, no, calculus, blood, whatever. And, you know, I decided at some point that I probably was not going to go to medical school. My granddad was a doctor, and I really wanted to be. And there are parts of me that still wish that I was. But ultimately, yeah, calculus was an issue. Um, I interned at a doctor's office and blood was also an issue. So that probably wasn't going to work out. So my earliest memories are gardening with my granddad. I, that, that's another thing I grew up doing. And, uh, I, I had an episode devoted to him after he passed away. So if you want to hear a little bit more of the story, go back and listen to that. But he was one of the best humans I've ever met. Uh, sort of a, a unique and, caring and brave sort of man that I I don't meet a whole lot in the world these days. And uh, he always loved plants. He had a special place in his heart for animals and plants and everything in nature. I, I remember pretty vividly he would come home and bring home turtles that, you know, he found crossing the road or out in a field somewhere that shouldn't have been there. And so there was always something in the backyard and uh, he always grew vegetables and we had a garden and he was a, a primary care physician, a family doctor. And, um, he practiced on a sort of a, one of the rougher parts of town, lower income, uh, a lot of inequality and stuff over there. And so he would, I remember very clearly accept plants for his services sometimes. Uh, he would come up with baskets of onions or corn or whatever, especially in the summer and the fall, tomatoes. And he never felt, and this was, you know, obviously the time before, um, you know, medical insurance companies really forced doctors into some of the things that they have to be in today. But he would take whatever a person could pay and as payment for care. He, he never felt that your ability and your status should hinder your access to medical care. And he, he sort of put his money where his mouth was, so to speak. It drove my grandma crazy, but he would come home and then we would grow plants and we would have a garden. And so uh, I have vivid, strong memories of just always growing up, loving nature uh, with my granddad. And so that's why plants, I have always found them fascinating. And the more I study them and the more I learn about them, I have found that they are these incredibly complex, incredibly intricate and important, by the way, organisms that are all around us that don't get enough attention. So I think if we're going to really save this planet, which feels like a good thing that we should be doing, saving the planet, all that, we kind of have to care about the things involved in saving it. So whether it is trees that can help combat climate change or algae or prairies or growing our own food to shorten our food systems and uh, reduce the amount of miles we put on our apples or whatever else, I think it's important that we study plants. And so this podcast is just to tell the story of that, of, of why we as humans should care about these things. And I hope that 
the stories you hear from the people that spend their lives and their time and their blood, sweat, and tears and, and hard-earned dollars studying and learning about these things gives you a little bit of appreciation for the plant world around us. Okay, great question. So question number two comes from Tyler Herman at Archduke Tyler on the Twitter machine. Again, Tyler, by the way, is the host of the What's the Alternative podcast about alternative fuels and energy sources. So check that out. I was on that recently. It was a lot of fun. So Tyler says, carnivorous plants seem so completely weird to me. They are, bud. They're really, really strange. Did they evolve from the same ancestor or are they a case of convergent evolution? Plants as a whole, like their thing is producing their own energy with sunlight. It's amazing that some of them are carnivorous. So there's two parts to this. Um, Do we see convergent evolution all over the planet of different um, carnivorous plants? And the answer is really yes. They don't necessarily share a common ancestry, though there is probably some of that involved. Uh, We see that depending on the ecosystems in which they live, they have certain characteristics. Now, I think what's important to understand as we talk about this is that plants do make their own energy, but they don't make everything they need to survive. So photosynthesis, again, is the process of a plant taking solar energy, converting it to chemical energy, and then using that chemical energy to split and process CO2 and turn it into complex sugars and carbohydrates. That's that's the process in general of photosynthesis. Then the plants use these complex carbohydrates, which are heavily carbon-centered, to build wood and flowers and stems and roots and all the things the plant needs to live, okay? But they don't make their own nutrients, So, you know, when you go out and fertilize a plant, you're not trying to make up for a carbon deficit. You're trying to make up for a deficit in nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium, and, you know, 14 other essential minerals and nutrients that that plants need to live. So carnivorous plants are photosynthetic plants. If you look at them, they're green. They're full of chlorophyll. They have leaves, even if they're modified a little bit, and they have all these different structures, but they're photosynthetic organisms. So they are creating their own energy, and they are creating their own sugars and foods, so to speak. What they're not creating is these mineral nutrients. So a lot of the places that carnivorous plants grow are maybe swampy areas or places where a lot of essential nutrients and minerals are not available to the plant for one reason or the other. One of those reasons actually tends to be that a lot of our carnivorous plants have poorly developed root systems. Either there's not a lot of soil where they evolved and developed, or they're actually pretty old plants. They've been around for quite a while. So, you know, in some of these evolutionary trees, we see the development of stronger and more complex root systems that helped a lot in obtaining the minerals and nutrients that that plant needs to live. But in some of these ecosystems, that really wasn't an option. So these plants had to find another way to obtain nitrogen and other essential proteins and amino acids and things that they needed for their system, a lot of these other nutrients. So where does nitrogen live? It lives in all of us. Uh, Nitrogen is one of the essential building blocks of amino acids and proteins. So if you're made largely of proteins, you've got a lot of nitrogen. So instead of pulling it up from the soil like most plants would, they would catch flies and dissolve them in their mouth stomachs, which is 
weird to say and weirder to think about, but that's what that was their source of nitrogen. Nitrogen makes the world go around, y'all. And whether you realize it or not, we're all chasing our next source of nitrogen because we have to keep making proteins and we have to keep doing things like that so that we can do the thing where we make podcasts and uh, knit and play basketball and all the other weird stuff that our us weird hairless apes do. So, yeah, carnivorous plants are not after necessarily the typical energy source we think of. They're after nutrients. It's really a good question. Pretty an, an interesting way to uh, think about it, too. So third question comes from Ashley Sade on Facebook and from the Facebook group. She says, I'd be interested in tips for repotting plants. I've sent so many plants to the big leafy place in the sky trying to give them a bigger pot. That is a great question. And it's not maybe a super simple answer, but I can give you maybe a few pro tips for repotting. Okay, so the first thing is it depends how long that plant has been in a pot. As roots develop, they radiate out from the trunk of the plant, right? So they're trying to work their way straight out from that trunk into the soil, mine as far as they can. That varies a little bit based on the structure of the roots, but in general, they're just radiating out, okay? In a pot, a plastic pot, those roots grow out and they're trying to find their way out into the world. And then they hit the wall of that pot and they can't go through it. They can't like turn down or up generally. So they start to turn around in a circle. And over time, those roots will wrap around and around. And if you've ever pulled a plant out of a pot that's been in there a while, you'll see this big massive root ball with what we call girdling roots around the outside that have wrapped all the way around the outside of the pot. Well, okay, you pull that plant out of the pot, you stick it in the ground. Those roots don't really know that they're not in a pot anymore. They've already been sort of uh, trained to grow in that circular direction. And as that trunk develops and as that plant grows, it can't establish itself into the soil. And eventually it can actually kill the plant, especially in the case of woody plants like trees. They can wrap around the trunk, girdle the trunk, and essentially kill that plant. So the first thing you want to do when you repot a plant, whether you're going from one pot to the next or from a pot into the ground, is to cut those circling roots. And this is scary sometimes for folks, but you have to understand that the entire root system of that plant is in that pot. So if you cut a few of them, if you damage a few of them, it's not that big of a deal. There's enough roots that can make up for that, and roots grow fairly quickly. So where where you cut it, they'll start branching. So take a sharp knife, uh, uh, a box cutter or a draw knife or something like that works really well. Uh, some people actually use like those hooked carpet cutting knives. Those actually work great for cutting down the sides of a pot. So you pull the plant out of the, the pot. You look at the root ball. If you've got any circling roots, take your knife and just cut vertical slits down all the way around that root ball. Tease out some of those roots so that they're able to establish out into the soil or into their new potted home. And that's a good practice just in general to keep our plants from getting too root bound and too girdled. The other thing you want to do, and this can be kind of a challenge sometimes, is when you take so usually when we repot, we're going from a smaller pot to a larger one, right? So that those new pots are usually going to be deeper and wider. It's really easy, and I think what we're prone to do sometimes is to pull the plant out of pot A, stick it in the bottom of the new larger pot, because it's easy just to set it on the bottom, and then pile soil or media or whatever in there. Well, that's burying the stem, and generally that's not a good thing. It leads to weird growth. It can kill the plant. So what you really want to do is when you pull your old root ball out – you want, 
it to be planted at the same level in the new pot as it was in the old pot. Usually, uh, I like to recommend an inch to an inch and a half, sometimes a little bit more, depending on the pot, from the top lip of that pot. So what you do is fill your media in there first. Make sure that drainage is good. Um, I don't necessarily like to fill gravel in the bottom of pots, but broken old terracotta pots are great to go over the drainage holes. It keeps um, some of the soil from sort of washing out, and it just lets it drain a little bit better. Those, those holes don't plug up. It doesn't make as much of a mess when you water it, etc. There's lots of benefits to that. So pile media in there so that when you set the new plant in, uh, it is about at the same level, an inch or so, a little bit more sometimes from the top of the pot. Fill slowly new media in around that root ball, carefully not carefully not covering up the stem as much as possible, and then make sure you pack it in so that plant stays in place. Stability is really important. Whether you use a stake to go in there or you just pack it in really carefully and keep it out of the wind or whatever, stability is important. Because as those roots are reestablishing, if that plant moves around a bunch, it's going to break off a lot of the new roots. And you want to give it time to establish. One of the biggest mistakes people make when they plant a new plant, just in general, especially trees in the ground, is overwatering. So you want to make sure that your media is staying wet enough to provide the water that plant needs, um, but not so saturated that you rob oxygen from the roots. Okay, so my rule of thumb is that I use my super high-tech device, my pointer finger, and I stick it down in the pot. And if I can get down about two inches into that media and I can feel, you know, even if the top couple inches are dry, if I can feel moisture two inches or so down, I can usually go another day. Uh, If it's dry past that or if you see the media start to pull away from the sides of the pot, make sure you're watering slowly and heavily so you're really thoroughly saturating that whole root zone, okay? The other thing you probably should be careful about is moving it around. So a lot of plants, looking at you, fiddly figs, are really temperamental, especially houseplants when you move them from location A to B. Sometimes that can cause damage or cause other problems, right? So Make sure when you, after you repot it, it goes back as much as possible into the same conditions that it was in before. Uh, Once it's reestablished, you can move it, but that establishment period is not when you want to challenge it with a new environment. I would also hold off a little bit on fertilization. Fertilization, especially high nitrogen fertility, which we tend to use a lot in our indoor environments, pushes a lot of new leaf growth and stem growth when you really want that plant establishing new roots. So back off at least two or three weeks on the fertility. Make sure you're watering thoroughly and deeply, but relatively infrequently, just keeping your soil, your root zone uh, fairly moist. And um, make sure that plant is as stable as possible and trim the root bulb. Those are my big four tips. Okay, it's time for a break. Let's go to the mid-roll. And when we come back, I've got three more questions to answer. Well, hey there. Welcome to the mid-roll. I always enjoy seeing you here. How's the family? Are they doing good? I hope they are. So a few things today. The first is that I want you to connect with Planthropology however you can. I am on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and for better or worse, 
I'm on the TikTok machine as at the plant prof. All those other places, search for Planthropology. It's Anthropology with a PL on the front. Look for the green background of the bristlecone pine, and that's me. There's also a great group, as I mentioned in the intro, Planthropology's Cool Plant People, which is pretty much just what it sounds like. A bunch of cool plant folks who chat about plant stuff, and I post lots of memes, and it's great for everyone. I would really like for you to be involved. If you want to support the show, there's a lot of ways to do that. The best way to help the podcast grow is just to tell your friends, whether in person or online, share tweets, share Facebook posts, Instagram posts, whatever. Just tell your friends about Planthropology. I'd love it for them to come hang out too. Another great way you can support the show is to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you can. In fact, I'm going to read a very nice one that just got posted a couple of days ago. This is by Layla J. Mackey. I hope I'm saying all those things right. And they say, this is one of my favorite podcasts to play while I'm watering in the greenhouse. Our entire staff listens in and it gives us plenty to discuss. Y'all, the the thought that people are listening to this show together and then talking about it boggles my little brain. It just, it blows my mind and I can't tell you how much that means to me. So Layla, thank you so much for the kind words and for the review. If you'd like for me to read your rating, I will read your, it's a five-star rating, by the way, I'll read that too. If you'd like me to read your review on the show, it would be great if you would leave it on, again, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, anywhere else you can. If you would like to sh- support the show further, if you head to planthropologypod.com, you can find all the episodes. But if you click on merch, it'll take you to my Redbubble merch store. There's a lot of cool stuff there that I know you're going to like. Also, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash planthropology. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you'll buy me a cup of coffee. And that's literally what I'll use it on. I appreciate that. So uh, a couple other things. There's a cool partnership coming up, which I'll be announcing probably next week that I think we should be excited about. So uh, just just put a pin in that. Also, I want to do some other fun stuff. And I, and I I need some suggestions on what I should do. I've been thinking about live shows, and there's some ways that I'm probably going to do some live shows here locally and maybe broadcast them online too. But is there a way we could hang out? Do like a Zoom hangout or Google hangouts because that's right in the word or something else. I want to get to know y'all better and just like have like, I don't know, a plant people happy hour where we all grab a drink and get on zoom or i don't know i don't know what i'm going to do yet but i do want to connect with you better and do some different stuff so if you've got suggestions let me know but aside from that let's talk about some more plant stuff and i'm going to answer a few more questions in five four three two one let's get ready for part two okay we're back now hey i hope you enjoyed whatever that was I I recorded it literally a minute and a half ago, so I know exactly what it was. I'm just weird about. Okay, hey, we're back. We're back. We're back. Are you back? Okay, we are back now. Let's answer some more questions. So the fourth question for today comes from Deep Green Resilience at Nature Recognition from Twitter. Now, this is a great account uh, to follow, and there's to post a lot of good stuff about nature and uh, conservation and all kinds of things. So they ask, how can people who aren't botanists learn to identify plants by their physical characteristics and or to use a dichotomous key? This is such a good question, and it kind of ties in with the next one, actually. So there's a lot of ways. I think the first thing to do is to spend a little time and just Google, like, plant ID characteristics. And I know that sounds silly, but you can find the different names of leaf shapes and plant types and all of that. 
So one of the biggest things that we can use to identify plants is the leaves. The leaves are characteristic generally to a specific species of plant. Flowers are even better if they're present. But the things we should be looking for are how many leaves per node. And a node is any point of like leaf attachment or stem attachment. So is there one leaf there? Are there two leaves there? Are there multiple leaves there? Usually you can identify plants pretty well by that. What do the leaves look like? Are they simple leaves? Is it just one leaf per node or is there like a big mid rib with a bunch of tiny leaflets attached that would be a simple leaf versus a compound leaf what do the leaf margins look like so that's the outside edge of the leaf are they serrated like a knife like you might see on a rose or are they smooth or deeply lobed like maybe a bur oak or something like that those are some common characteristics you can really use to work your way through a dichotomous key as you are figuring those things out. Also, is it a woody plant? Is it is it tree-ish? Is it a herbaceous plant? What type of year is it flowering? What flower color? So as many key characteristics as you can like look at the plant and identify will help a lot. So a dichotomous key is sort of like a better at one, better at two kind of thing like you would do with the, the optometrist, right? So there's a ton of them online. There are a ton of dichotomous keys and I would search for one for your area. So search for like, so if you live in Texas, like I do, you could search for something like plant identification key, Texas. So that'll narrow you down a little bit to begin with. Right. And it's going to ask you questions like, is this a evergreen or not? No. Okay. For example, uh, does it have a simple leaf or a compound leaf? Oh, this one has a simple leaf. How tall is the plant? Oh, it's nine to 10 feet tall. When I saw it, is it blooming? No, it's the winter. Or no, it's early in the season. Okay, are the leaves opposite or alternate on the stem? So are there two leaves that come out of the node side by side, or do they alternate up the stem? Uh, this one's alternate, right? What does the leaf margin look like? What color is it? If flowers are present, what color flower is there? How many petals are there? Uh, and it'll ask you questions like that, and you just click on the answers, and you go through the list and then it'll spit out something that says this key has identified your plant as likely to be one of these species and it'll show you some pictures and you look through the picture for something that looks like your plant and that's kind of what you end up with um i'm going to go ahead and ask this in the next question because it ties in uh sandman stories presents uh at sandman stories which is a great podcast by the way that you should be listening to um, says, is there a plant place to look up common names of plants in English? So these kind of go together, right? If you can identify the scientific name of a plant, which is usually what a dichotomous key is going to give you, is the botanical name uh, with the genus and the species, you can pop that in and look up uh, common names. Now, common names vary widely between location, between type of plant, and sometimes even within those locations. You may get a plant that has three different common names or three different common names that refer to the same plant. Uh, I think that's the same both ways. A plant that has three common names or how, how am I trying to say this? Different plants that go with the same common name. That's what I meant to say. So either one plant has multiple common names or multiple plants have one common name. I don't know why that was so hard for me. But those things are out there, right? So if you use the botanical name of a plant, it's like a first and last name for that plant. It is specific to a given species. But a good way to look up the common names of plants in English is to first go through an identification key 
uh, and figure out what you're dealing with and then just get on like Wikipedia or whatever. Actually, they usually on Wikipedia have pretty good lists of the common names for a given species. Another thing you can do is just type what you're looking at into Google. Here's a pro tip. I used to do this when I was working with the extension service and people would call me and be like, hey, I've got a plant or a problem and I just, I need help. And I'm like, oh yeah, great. I'm the arbiter of all things plant knowledge. Lay it on me. They would start talking and I'd pull up Google and I would literally just type in whatever they were saying to me to Google and then find results. Now, it's important to be able to filter those results, but if you're in a field or if you've got a picture of a plant and you're like, this is a four-foot-tall plant with green leaves and yellow flowers in Texas, y'all type those words, literally type those words into Google, and then go to Google Images or even one of the first res- you know results you get on the main search, and, and the odds are pretty good that you're going to find it. Like it may take some time, may take some digging, but when you ask me for a plant identification, uh, I will ask you, okay, give me how many, give me any characteristics you can about it or send me a picture better. Y'all, if you send me a picture, please make sure it's a clear picture where I can see the size of the plant, the location as well as possible. And like a clear, crisp picture of the leaves, please, please don't like take it out your car window going 70 miles per hour. And you're like, no, it's behind that tree. The one I need to know is behind the tree that's already blurry. Please just send high quality pictures to your plant friends. We'll love you forever for it. But after you do that, if I don't know right away what it is, I'm going to type in whatever you sent me to Google. I'm going to literally say this person sent me a picture of a big four foot tall plant with yellow flowers. And then I'm just going to start looking at pictures and, and usually you can find it pretty quick. So that's really a good question. If you're not a botanist, I would suggest that you just learn the names for some common characteristic features, the different types of leaves, the different, uh, you know, number of flowers or whatever, but even more than having to know the specific names, just be detailed in your descriptions And usually you can get pretty close. Like even if you don't know that the, a a leaf that has a smooth outside margin is called an entire leaf margin, that doesn't matter because you can search for big yellow plant or big plant, yellow flowers, smooth leaf margins. And usually there's enough of these things floating around out there that you'll probably find what you need. You'll probably get the information you want. Okay. Does that make sense? I hope it does. So uh, be specific, take good pictures and uh, learn about different parts of the leaf and describe them as thoroughly as you can. Okay, uh, the last question I am going to answer today actually comes from two people. Again, the uh, first one is from the That Was Great, Wasn't It podcast, at How Great Was That on Twitter. This is um, the fearless leader of my podcast network, the Podfix Network, which, by the way, you should go check out all the Podfix shows, uh, Keith Gala, but, um, he, and, uh, again, Sandman stories presents at stories. Sandman asked some version of what plants do you have around your house? Well, and, and I think, uh, Dustin from Sandman stories actually asked, is your house just covered in plants? I'm about to disappoint you people. You're going to be very disappointed in me. I have zero plants inside my house literally zero plants inside my house and my garden, my yard, my landscape is absolutely abysmal right now. It needs to be, I've got to prune some shrubs. I got to, it's bad. Like it's real bad y'all. And, and it's, it's even worse because my neighbors know what I do and I'm pretty sure they look at my landscape and they're like, this guy is the worst horticulturist in the universe. 
most of the time, by the time I get home, I don't, I just don't care anymore. I just do not care anymore. So, uh, no, I don't really have any plants in my house. And the plants that are outside my house at the moment look like roasted garbage, refried garbage, a dumpster fire if there ever was one. Now, the we're, we're my wife and I are probably moving pretty soon. And one of the reasons I don't have any plants in my house right now or at all, actually, is we have very little natural light in places that are good to put plants. There's some natural light in my living room, which has a big, like, west-facing double door and a skylight, but I don't want just shelves of plants in my living room necessarily. I know people are into that, but I'm it's just not my thing, y'all. It's not. I would rather have plants in the kitchen or in a bathroom or something like that, uh, and I have, like, no good natural light in my kitchen. There's no good places to put plants. So eh, that's kind of an issue. Uh, when we move, though, the house that we're probably moving into, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in the future at some point, has a lot of natural light everywhere. And so one of these days, I'll actually do a plant tour of the plants I put in my new home. And I hope that you'll enjoy that. That may go on YouTube or the TikTok machine or somewhere else on the social medias. Um, but yeah, great questions, y'all. I really enjoyed all of these. And uh, you know, so there's some great podcasts and other groups and other folks represented here that you should definitely go check out for sure. And I'll put some links in the description of this to the question askers, but keep sending them my way. Uh, if you've got a good question, if you've got a bad question, I don't care. Just send me your questions. I would love to answer them on the next of the March episode of, uh, plant questions and answers. And, uh, I'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Thank you so much for listening as always like y'all are y'all are the best the fact that you took your time to come up with questions to send me was really cool really cool and you know i love you folks a lot so uh thanks again as always to the texas tech department of plant and soil science for allowing this to happen i didn't have such a supportive department and department chair and boss and other folks in our college this this couldn't happen in the way that it does and it just means the world to me thank you so much for listening thanks to everyone who supports the show and rates and reviews and all of those things i am a one-man operation here i come up with interview rate i mean i guess i could rate my own show if i wanted uh but i come up with all the content i uh, do the interviews i produce edit post everything for the show and your support really means the world to me so again you know how much i love you folks um keep being cool plant people keep being kind to each other if you have not yet been kind to one another maybe give that a shot give that a try let's do something new and uh i will see you very soon right back here for more plantropology y'all be good You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at Podfix on Twitter, official underscore Podfix on Instagram, at Podfix Network on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.